why doesn't everyone have a seat? <clears throat> well, I want to take just a minute before uh, starting to speak today to, uh, to welcome Carl Santos, who is with us today. You want to stand up and wave at everybody? Carl is our new executive pastor. Um, we're going to take time next week to introduce Carl more uh, fully to you and commission him in prayer. But we're just really thrilled, Carl and Sarah, that you're here and uh, becoming part of our uh, congregation and ready to bring your gifts to bear in the life of our church. So we really feel, as you know, I've said it before, that God has led us to Carl and that uh, he'll bring great strength to our church. So welcome. Be nice to these people, right? <laughs> Afterwards, love them and welcome them in. <clears throat> well, it's, it's the new year, and I, I have been thinking about what... Um, about a series that I might bring to you uh, at the beginning of this year, obviously. And um, <clears throat> I, I recognize that the question might be a significant, significant one to ask, and it is this. What is it that you think 2017 will bring into your life? It's kind of a huge question. Really, we don't know. But I think the question causes us to step back when we ask such a question and go, oh my goodness, what, what will this year bring? It'll bring heartache for some of us. It'll bring great joy and celebration for some of us and for some of us both. We don't know what will happen. But if I, if I were to say to you, what would you like to change in your life this year? You might have an idea because some of you, I bet, have just chosen New Year's resolutions. How many of you choose New Year's resolutions? One, two, two people. That doesn't surprise me. Good for you, by the way. I gave up doing New Year's resolutions uh, some, well, a long time ago now because they don't work for me. You know, and how many, how many of you can relate to that? <laughs> yeah, a lot of hands go up, including some of the hands that were raised earlier. I, you know, I have this intention. I'd love to see change come. I'd love to be different in some way, but I just don't have the capacity somehow within me to make that happen very often. So I leave the change to God. You know, I just don't do them anymore. <clears throat> but a New Year's resolution essentially is all about what do I want to be different in my life this year? I have another question for you today. And it's not so much what do I want to be different. The question is what might God want to be different in your life this year? Have you ever thought about that? I mean, if God had his opportunity, if God had his choice to really make a change in your life, and I don't mean just you personally, but the life that you live, what would that be? Um... Well, I'm going to spend some time talking about an idea that comes from Jesus in John chapter 15 that I would suggest to you is one of those things God would love to enact in your life. There are things that he would like to do. This is one of them in particular. This is the passage where Jesus says, I am the vine and you are the branches. The, the analogy that he brings to us is about a, a, a vine that produces grapes, that produces, and here's the word, great fruitfulness. I would suggest to you that one of the things that if you were to have a, a sit-down chat with the Lord and say to him, Lord, what do you want from me this year? How would you like my life to be somewhat different this year? He would say to you, I want you to be fruitful for me. I want you to make a difference for me. We're going to talk about what fruitfulness means in just a minute. But he, he essentially is teaching in this passage, and we're going to dig into it as weeks go along. He essentially wants us to have this connected, intimate relationship with himself, the person of Jesus, and out of that intimate relationship with Jesus produce fruit. That's the basic message of the text. And I want to stand here this, this morning and say to every single one of you, that's what God wants for you this year. It may not be the only thing, 
But he wants that. He wants to produce fruit in us. But there's something, before I jump into that a little more, defining fruitfulness and so forth, there's something here I want to bring to you that I think the Lord has shown to me that I've never really given any thought to from this text. Uh, and, and I love when God does that. He comes along in the text, and I'm going to read verse 1 to you uh, to describe something very, very cool. And I'm going to read it from the message version because it's, I think, effective. Jesus says, I am the real vine. So he's the vine, we're the branches, we produce fruit. The branches are the fruit producers, right? And my father is the farmer. What do you think about that? What I recognize, what I saw, <clears throat> is that Jesus is defining God the Father as a farmer. I thought, how appropriate for Oxford County, right? Where so much farming takes place. And you see, there's this third person in the story that I just haven't given particular attention to. And then he goes on to describe what the farmer does, verses 2 and 3. He cuts off every branch in me that doesn't bear grapes. And every branch that is grape-bearing, he prunes back so that it will bear even more. You were already pruned back by the message I have spoken, Jesus said. See, what, what Jesus is saying is this farmer, and I want, to, I want us to focus our attention not so much on Jesus, the vine, or ourselves, particularly the branches. I want us to focus on the farmer today. What the farmer does is he gets busy, and you know, he cuts away dead wood from the vine because it's not productive at all. Obviously, it's dead. Gets rid of it. Talks more about that later in the passage. And, and, and then he takes the, the, the branches that are producing fruit and he prunes them back. You know how this works, whether it's an apple tree or, or many, many plants, he prunes it back. Why? So the plant might be more productive. So that it might produce more grapes than it has produced in the past. See, God is described as the, as the farmer in the New Testament by Jesus in, in lots and lots of instances. No surprise. Agricultural community, he wants to teach scriptural truth. He wants to teach the, the perspectives of God to the people who are willing to listen to him and to learn. And he uses farming and he uses farmers to communicate these dynamics. Think of the parable of the sower. You know, when Jesus says one day a farmer went out to sow seed and they would do it by hand in that day. And he describes four different conditions of soil onto which the seed falls. They represent our hearts. And on one end of the spectrum is the hard soil right? And the seed falls on that hard soil, but it can't penetrate it, and it can't germinate, and it dies, and it produces nothing. No crop. On the other end of the perspective, there is soil that Jesus calls good soil, and the seed gets right into the soil, and, and it germinates, and it shoots up, and it produces a, a great crop. You see, here again, the farmer is intent on accomplishing something. Another, another passage that God has described as a farmer is he goes out and he hires workers, which many farmers in our area do. And, and, and he, he, they imp are employed at various times, numbers of hours during the day. At the end of the day, he pays them all the same wage, which some object to, people who have worked all day long. But it's the story that Jesus uses a farmer in in order to teach about himself. I am a God of grace. And you don't get what you get from me because of what you do. You get what you get from me because of who I am. It's an incredible story when you ponder it and reflect on it. These are two of the many stories where God is defined as farmer. How many farmers here love that idea? I just think it is so cool, really cool. So here in this context, here in this context, God is this vine grower, this grape producer. I want you to take a minute. Think of the effort that it takes to get to the point of a crop producing fruit. A crop being produced, if you would. Every farmer here will actually get this. But think about this, 
this farmer, he had to prepare the soil and he had to plant the vines and somehow spray, I don't know, or, or treat them to, to protect them, probably happened then. And he had to water the, the plants, especially in an arid climate. And he had to prune, as is described in the text. A ton of work is required in order to get to that place of producing grapes. But what in the end of the day is the point of it? What is, what is the... What is, the farmer focused on and intent upon? Why all the hard work? Why all the effort? Well, I want to tell you there's only one basic cause, one basic purpose in the whole thing, and that is to produce a crop from the ground. Same today, isn't it? Isn't it the same today? There's one thing I've learned about farming since I've been here these 25 years is number one, people who do it love it. They absolutely love what they do. And I suppose there are various reasons that people produce crops to feed the cities and so on, as you see on the signs. Farmers do feed cities. But in the end of the day, it's all really about one thing, and that is to take the crop off the land, to sell the crop and to make a living. The purpose of farming is to produce the crop. And here Jesus is speaking of God the Father who is intent on something. He is focused upon something, and he is absolutely eager that fruitfulness be the end result of his work in your life and in mine. He wants to grow grapes, according to the analogy. Listen to verses 5 through 8, this time from the NIV. <clears throat> I am the vine, you are the branches, Jesus is speaking. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Now that's you and that's me, right? Apart from me, you can do nothing, he says. If you do not remain in me, you are like a branch that is thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up, thrown into the fire, and burned. If you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish, and it will be done for you. Listen, this is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. I want to tell you, my friends, there's a point in this, and that very simply is that God has an intention for our lives very real your life and my life and that is that we be fruitful people for him uh, he has gone to incredible lengths to produce a crop in us think about us as a church even what does he want what has god done in order to produce a crop what effort has he taken how far has he gone in order to produce what he wants produced in us think about it christ has come into this world huge huge sacrifice and effort he has died on a cross that we might be forgiven of our sin. He has been raised from the dead to become the Lord of the living and the dead, as the Bible says. And he ascended to heaven. The Holy Spirit was given. The Holy Spirit of God was given into the world that he might dwell in our lives. God has continued to work in you and me. And I ask you the question, why all of this? To what end? See, the, the standard answer to the, to the question is this. If I were to ask most people on most given days of the week, sincere followers of Jesus, why has God gone to such great lengths to make us his own? We would say something like this, so that I could be forgiven for my sin, so that I could become a child of God, and so that I could know eternal life, both in this existence and in the life to come in heaven. That's why God has done what God has done. Let me shock you a little this morning, and I hope it does shock you a little. That's not what this text says. That's not present here. That's not described in this passage of the Bible at all. Now, God does want you as his child. 
And he does want to forgive your sin, and he does want to draw you into relationship with him, and he does want to love you, and he wants you to love him. And I hope every single one of you is in that place today. And if you're not, you can enter into that relationship with God because of Jesus. It's an amazing, amazing thing. Let's not miss that reality. But I want to tell you, that is not the end of the story, according to Christ. It just isn't. And if this hasn't struck you before, let it strike you even profoundly now. That happened once in my life. Whereas like the eyes were open and I came to see the reality that all that God has done in Christ is for me, but it's not all about me. It's not all about me. It is about God himself and what he has planned for this world of ours and is what he wants. And my friends, I want to tell you why God has saved you. Yes, is to love you and to be in relationship, but relationship with you, but it is also so that you might be fruitful for him so that I might be, so that we, as a church of God's people, might be fruitful for the kingdom of God. Um, Jesus said in, in Matthew chapter 13, these things, again, giving reference to that parable of the sower, where the sower puts seed in the ground and it sprouts, sprouts up. Still other seed fell on good soil, where it produced a crop a hundred, sixty, and thirty times what was sown. A hundred, thirty, or sixty times what one seed produced in your life, the word of God coming, God wants to replicate it a hundred times over in terms of power and in terms of impact in this world. Now let's go back to John chapter 15. Um, big question. What does fruitfulness mean in our lives? What does it mean? What does it look like? as we contemplate this year. Well, we have to go to Scripture. We can't just make up the answer out of our minds, which is our temptation. We've got to find the answer in the book. So let me read again for you verse 7 from John 15. If you remain in me, and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish, and it will be done for you. Ask whatever you wish, and it will be done for you. Let me say this. God wants to accomplish much through us through prayer that is emanating from a very personal and intimate relationship with Jesus, a life which is filled with the power of his word. Can I say that again? God wants to accomplish much through us through prayer that is emanating from an incredibly personal and intimate relationship that we have with Jesus as we are filled by the power of his word. Um, then verse 8, let me read that again to you. This is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. <clears throat> I want you to notice, my friends, he doesn't want a little bit of fruit out of us. He wants a lot. And he will produce a lot of fruit through us if indeed we will give ourselves to the simple dynamic called prayer. Um, you know, we have to ask, obviously, according to the will of God. That's the role of being filled with this word of God that can dwell in us and inform our prayer lives. It's so much there. But you know what? As a result of that prayer and the things that we simply ask of God, God will move in power this year. 
if we will engage prayer. And through our praying and through the action of God, I want to tell you, this world of ours can be changed. That's fruit. Do you understand that? Our connected to Jesus, our being filled with his word, our praying as the text explicitly teaches, and because of that dynamic and because of that, that, that practice, God will accomplish something which he wants accomplished in our world. And I want to suggest to you that's what fruit is, God accomplishing through us what he wants accomplished in the world. And I want you to know the potential in your life to move the hand of God this year. I want you impacted by that today. So you're saying, Chris, this is your point, at least in part this morning, that if I pray, God will do something. Like, that doesn't sound new or unique or significant, does it? <laughs> I want to tell you, but that may be the case, but the reality is when we grapple with the, the, the dynamic that Jesus is describing, it's, it's suggesting to us that because of what we do, because of what God does through us, incredibly significant things can and will take place this year because of us. Simply because we engage prayer and simply because we ask God to do something. So part of my question to you this morning very simply is, how much will prayer be part of your 2017? Seriously. In a way of significance. Maybe differently than in the past. And how close and intimate will we make our relationship with Jesus out of which effective and powerful and God-moving prayer will be expressed? See, I think of your small groups that many of you are in. And, and I challenge you to think about making prayer a significant part of what you do week by week. Will you pray for one another in your groups and during the week? And will you pray for the mission that you engage and if you don't have a mission yet pray that God will reveal one to you so that you can serve and love other people in his name I think about you and your places of work and I think about the people that you know who surround you in your life who don't know Jesus could we be praying for those folks I almost feel like having a bit of a campaign where we say listen everybody in this church everybody pray for one person who doesn't know Jesus this year and just pray that God does something of significance and that God be fruitful in and through your life, that he accomplishes the things that he wants accomplished just because we pray for that one individual. Can you imagine what God might do if we gave ourselves to that kind of prayer? Let me say this to you. If we can take Scripture at face value, there are things that will happen because God receives our prayers and acts upon them that will not happen if we don't pray. Here I'm being incredibly profound again, right? It's like, well, yeah, I know that, Chris. <laughs> but let it impact your life. Things won't happen if we don't pray, but things will happen if we do. And we can become fruitful for God. We can become people through whom God accomplishes much. God accomplishes the things that he wants accomplished. So number one, can 2017 be a year of prayer, focused and intentional, so that God accomplishes much through you and through me? 
How about this one? And we're going to step away a little bit from John chapter 15. But John chapter 4, there's this story of Jesus talking to the woman at the well, we call her. The disciples, just in the text I'm going to read to you, just returned from the neighboring town. They've gone to buy lunch or dinner, I guess, for, for Jesus and themselves. This woman has come in the meantime and talked to Jesus, and she has come to believe in him, and she has returned as they are arriving into the town, which is her home, and she's going to tell everybody about this Messiah that she has encountered and come to believe in. She is filled with excitement and passion. She's a new convert. Her life has been transformed, and it will be going forward, and she wants everybody to know. The very people these disciples have just been with and haven't apparently said a thing too about Jesus, she's running back to with the gospel message, with the story of life transformation in Jesus. Um, and Jesus then says this to his people, John 4, 35 to 39. Um, don't you have a saying, it's still four months until the harvest? Note the word, harvest. Till the time of reaping, until the crop is brought in, until fruitfulness is encountered. I tell you, open your eyes and look at the fields. They are ripe for harvest. Even now, the one who reaps draws a wage and harvests a crop for eternal life so that the sower and the reaper may be glad together. Even now. Thus the saying, one sows and another reaps is true. I sent you to reap what you have not worked for. Others have done the hard work and you have reaped the benefits of their labor. Many of the Samaritans from that town believed in him because of the woman's testimony. He told me everything I ever did. You see, this woman had encountered Jesus, and her life had been changed, and she ran to tell the people she knew and loved about this incredible thing. You see the comparison Jesus is making between her and, her, and his guys, <laughs> who did exactly the opposite and didn't say a thing. What's fruit? What is the harvest? I want to tell you, my friends, the harvest is people coming to know Jesus who didn't know him before. The harvest is, is what God can accomplish through us, what he wants accomplished. It is people being found by the shepherd who is seeking them. So what about us in 2017? What about us as a church? You see the potential? You see the opportunity that is there? Are we going to be people as Jesus prompts these disciples toward whose eyes are opened to see the fields that are ripe for harvest? Are we going to be those folks? Are we going to give ourselves to helping people who desperately need Jesus, who need faith in Christ? Let me say this to you. There are people, just as was the case for those disciples, who surround you in your life who don't know Christ. Everywhere. Isn't that right? People in your neighborhoods, people in your places of work, people in your social circles, people in your, at your kids' sporting events, on and on and on. They're there. They don't have a clue, but they need the Lord Jesus. And I want to tell you more than that. They are ready to receive him, some of them, not all of them. Did you hear what Jesus said? The fields are ripe for harvest. There are people with a spiritual longing who are ready to hear of Jesus and to believe in him like that woman who will then run to all their friends because their lives have been transformed and they have been so deeply blessed and then they'll become the people who share the story. And the question in the end of the day is, 
Will we be the folks who are fruitful as God intends? Will it be through us that God accomplishes the things that God wants accomplished in this world? Because we simply love people and we share the message of Jesus and when that opportunity emerges. We've talked a ton about this as a church, haven't we? First we love. First we form a relationship. First we're incredibly good to people just because we love them and we know God loves them. And God gets to work in their hearts and in their minds. And they get to know us. And then he provides opportunity for us to talk about him. And then people who need Jesus say, yeah, I want him too. And we can bring them to church and we can help them into the community and we can love them and help them to find Christ and grow in faith. What about 2017 IPC? Are we going to be a church that takes this opportunity in a, in a, in a meaningful and in a significant way? <clears throat> and are we going to be people who say, Lord Jesus, through me, accomplish your purposes? Are we going to be people who invite others here this coming year, this year? One, maybe two, to say, when, when you sense God is saying the time is right, come to, come to church with me on a Sunday morning. It's an incredible story about God there that will just bless and change your life. My friends, this is something we can pray for. This is connecting point one to point two. God, lead me to the people who are ready to hear your message. God, give me the courage to speak. God, give me the words to speak. God, give me the opportunity to share my faith in you that others might come to believe as I have. That is God's intention and plan, I would suggest to you, for you and for me. Incredible opportunity for us. So we pray and we share faith with people who are ready to hear. How about this one? Different author, I know, different context, but hard to avoid when you're talking about fruit and what fruit is in the Bible. Galatians chapter 5 talks about the fruit of the Spirit. Let me read it to you. Chapter 5, verses 22 and 23. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control against such things there is no law what does God want to do in us what does God want to accomplish in us this year I want to tell you he wants to change I'll start with me <laughs> and he wants to change you see God wants to by the presence and power of his Holy Spirit bring change into our lives such as is described in these verses where we are different people where we become more like Christ, where we are transformed by the power of the presence of God in us. That's what he wants to accomplish. And that is fruit. Now I wonder in, on January the 8th, 2018, how different I will be and how different you will be from January the 8th, 2017. You know, you know the fear is that we won't have changed at all. <laughs> and we won't have so in being so engaged by the Spirit of God, haven't, haven't opened our lives to the Spirit of God, haven't prayed, God, change me and help me to take care of these characteristics that are resident in me that aren't honoring of you. It's possible that a year from today you will be no different than you are right now. No fruit produced. Dead wood. <laughs> Nothing accomplished in us that God wants accomplished in terms of our character, who we are. 
But I want to tell you, my friends, and, and I'm just kind of hoping and praying that something is alive and well in your mind right now, that there's something in you that you know God wants to change. I want to tell you right now, by the power of the presence of the Spirit of God, you can be changed to become more like Jesus, transformed in Him, made new in that area of life the purpose of God. It is the intention of the farmer to produce that fruit in you if you'll let him. And then this last one really quickly. <clears throat> I want to throw this in because it's just a theme that I, I value and I, I have brought to you over long, a lot of years now, but when we exercise the gifts of the Holy Spirit, God will be fruitful in us. He really will. You know, God acts through us and accomplishes his purposes through us when we operate according to the spiritual gifts he has given. You know, Paul talks about them in 1 Corinthians 12 and Ephesians 4 and so forth. But when someone, for example, has the gift of evangelism and God's spirit comes alive as they share faith, it is in these people in particular who God reaches to those who are unsaved and brings them to himself. It's not that we all can't participate in this, but they in particular are effective in accomplishing the purposes of God. Anyone here of the gift of evangelism? It's, it's when people have the gift of intercession, the gift of being able to pray in such a fashion that God moves in power. Again, we can all do this, but there are some people that God has gifted by his spirit, and when they pray, man, powerful things happen for the kingdom of God. And that's what they should focus upon in terms of producing fruit in ministry. Some people have the gift of leadership, and when they lead, then the church of Christ is led well, and it becomes effective in fruit production because, because of the leadership gift. Some people have the gift of exhortation, and, and they have the capacity to strengthen people, and they even challenge people a little bit to take steps forward in faith. Anybody here have that gift of exhortation? the gift of teaching, the gift of wisdom, whatever the gift is, when we operate according to the gifts of the Holy Spirit, God comes alive in us and, and the world is changed because of us. It's an incredible thing. God produces fruit through his people. God changes the world through those he has gifted in particular ways. And I've said it for a long time, if you don't know your spiritual gifts, figure them out. Know them. Life groups spend, I'd suggest, at least one night a year you know, using a gift discovery tool and talking to one another and sharing your perspectives on one another about what each other's gifts are. Form the life of your group, whether it be a missional community or a life group or whatever it is, based on the gifts that God has placed in that group. And watch the Spirit of God move in power, producing fruit in that context. Listen, I, I, I want to come to, the, to, to, to wrap this up, but I want to say to you, my friends, and I want you to hear and I want you to understand as we start this year, essentially, God wants to, to use your life to make an impact for himself. God wants to empower you and strengthen you and use you to accomplish significant things for the kingdom of God. And he doesn't want to do it a little bit. He wants to do it a lot. He wants to do it a lot. You know, I thought, of, I thought of the number of people that call IPC home. Maybe not this morning. <laughs> but we, we normally have about 400 people in worship on a Sunday. And, and they say take another 25% and add it on to that because not everybody comes every Sunday. And you generally have the number of active participants in the life of a congregation. So we're a ballpark about 500 people that call IPC home. Knock off 100 kids, ballpark, might be a little more. You're left with 400 people. 
400 people through whom God wishes to accomplish fruit, to produce fruit, to accomplish the things he wants accomplished in this world. That is a force for God, a power for God in this world. And I think of what Jesus said in the text that I read to you. <laughs> that out of that one little seed that was sown in good soil, that, G that, that, that another 100 or 60 or 30 would be produced. What's 400 times 100 in terms of seeds, in terms of fruit? That's a lot of fruit. Do you understand the potential that we have as a congregation to make impact in this world for God? I want you to. Sometimes I stand back as the pa senior pastor here. I guess I'm not the only one. But the senior pastor here, I just think, God, activate the potential of your people in our church. Use us to accomplish significant things for you. And I hope in 2017 we will. As each of us recognizes what God wants to do in us and just says, yeah, God, use me. You know, I was reading in pre preparation for today and, and I read somewhere that the longing of the heart in the heart of the follower of Jesus, the longing that dwells within us is very simply, Lord, make me fruitful for you. That longing in your heart, that passion there, that deep desire that God would use you to make a difference in this world for him. Oh, I pray with all of my heart that it is. And I pray that this year we will see God move in power among us. We're going to spend some weeks talking about the, the qualities, the, the, the requirements that are necessary for us to be fruitful. There are some things that if they're not in place, you know, it'll just nullify any, any, nullify any potential that we have for God. But when we take some of these things seriously, God will move in us. And that, my friends, is what he desires for this year, for our congregation. Let's pray. <clears throat> Gracious God, we just, we just thank you that um, you call us, Lord, into your work. You have saved us, yes, because you loved us. You've drawn us into relationship because you want relationship with us and you want to bless our lives. But God, you have saved us and called us to yourself so that we might be meaningful instruments in your hand to accomplish great things in this world. God, I would pray for every single person here today, myself included, and I pray that you will give us a vision for what can be through ourselves. The Lord, you will give us a longing in our hearts that simply says, Lord Jesus, be fruitful through me. Accomplish your purposes through me that I might be of significance to the kingdom of God and its growth. And God, we pray that you would fill us with your Holy Spirit and that you would empower us, that we truly would make a difference in this world for you this year. Use this church, Father. Use this congregation, your people gathered together, worshipful uh, and, and passionate for Jesus to reach out into this world and to make a difference for you. God, use us. Use us in a significant way that we might bear much fruit for you. Our Father, this we pray in Jesus' name.